Well, I'm finally going to do it. So what's that? Not what I talked about last week. What I'm finally going to do is begin to teach on the renewing of the mind. Um, I mentioned I would do this last fall, and then God just led me in another direction to begin this year focusing on priorities. And then, um, uh, so I'm, we're going to do it now. I'm just going to make a confession to you. Um, so those of you that download the notes, I encourage you to do that because it helps you to follow along um, and it helps you to have the scriptures and if there's any special quotes, instead of trying to write them all down, they will be in, in those notes. And so I did that. I went back. And this is a course. If there was ever anything that I could call my signature teaching, and it's not because I created it by many other people. Joyce Myers has an excellent battlefield of the mind, many other great teachings. But everyone has a little different perspective. And in so much of my perspective of things comes out of my training as a lawyer, 27 years as a lawyer, it teaches you how to think. Basically, when I teach, I argue a case. Um, but I was also in college of a philosophy major. Uh, and that helps me to think in certain other terms and understand other things. So, so the approach that, that through, through which I often see things is a little different than others. And we need all of those perspectives and understanding. And so for uh, about 20 years ago, we started a school of ministry here. And, and the signature course in that school, for me, at least my teaching, were two of them. This was this one and the Blood Covenant. Um, and it's, it was an, it was a 10-week course, so I'm not going to give you... Well, I would say I won't give you 10 weeks, but the last time I did it, I went about that long. Um, and so what I've got to try to do is to break it into sections, because unfortunately, uh, this will be broken up by several things. We've got uh, Pastor Smucker coming in several weeks, and this will going to be very worthwhile. And then we have, have Easter, and I'm going to do two messages focused on some things about Easter that God has really been, been working in my heart. And that, but other than that, we will devote the time that's necessary to this, because if there's ever been a time... We need to understand how to think the way God tells us to think. It's now. Because unlike any other time I've ever lived in, there are things, more and more things coming at you telling you how to think. The things we see on the so-called news broadcasts, they're, they're not news. They're telling you how to think the world, the society is trying to renew your mind. These communist nations like Russia and others, especially when they were founded, one of the principal things they did, communism did, was it, 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 it's called propaganda. But what they did is they took the young people. They dismissed the old people because they figured, we can't change how you think. So they started with the young people. They took them away from their parents. Now think about this. This is what's going on in our society. They took them away from their parents. They may not be taking your children away from you physically, but they're taking their minds away from you if you're not working with your children. And they began to reprogram the young adult, the young children, the young adults' minds from the very core values of communism on up. What were they doing? They were renewing their minds. And we're living in a culture that's, that's, that's run by the God of this earth. And his, his primary method is to renew your mind to think with, the, with his values and his methods. Because we'll see this morning, because if he can do that, he takes our testimony away and our power away. So there really is a battle for your mind, but it's not just for your peace of mind. It's not just for your success. It's for what God wants to do in this world through his church. And so what we're going to talk about, begin to talk about this morning, is absolutely critical for 
of his time. Now, my confession, and some of you say, yes, and confess that if you As I started to take, I just used my notes that I've done before, made some adjustments, and I struggled with it. And, and this morning, the Lord told me why. He said, because you're relying on the way you caught it before instead of letting me breathe a new life on it. So I'm going to take my notes, and I'm just going to let it rip. <laughs> and just trust the Holy Spirit, because uh, it works best when I just do what he says to do, as is true with all of us. So why the mind? Why, why do we need to talk about the mind? I mean, we all think, you know, pretty much how you think. You've got your own, but you really want to know how you think. Look at your life, because your life is a product of how you think. And as I just said, the world system is out there programming how you think, whether you realize it or not. And here's what's critical, because if you don't realize it, you're still doing it. Your mind is being programmed. Your mind is programmed by the news you watch. I mean, think about it. You just watch these news books, because they all do it. You've got one, two, sometimes three people talking to you at the same time, and they're all giving their opinion. An opinion is a guess. Sometimes it's educated, sometimes it's not. But it's a guess. An opinion is a guess. When I grew up, the news was news. News is facts. This happened then, this many people died, this happened then. But then you start adding what that means. You start talking about where that's going. Now it's no longer news. Now you're interpreting the news. And because of my training, I can pick up on words, the distinction between words that are opinions and words. Little things like, it's, you'll see headlines. Uh, uh, we think, we, it seems as if, that's not a fact, that's somebody's opinion. Or may, uh, uh, the coronavirus may stir up again. May tells you it's an opinion. And yet we don't focus on that. We focus on, oh my gosh, there's another variant coming. Oh my gosh, this is going to happen without realizing. That's not what they're saying. But if you don't want to think critical, that doesn't mean critical of people. That means think what you're actually hearing. You want to think what you're actually thinking, then you're not in control of your life. And God's not in control of your life. But the God of this world is controlling you, controlling your life, even though you're born again, spilled with the Spirit, headed to heaven. Because the key, the battle, the key is this thing up here, your mind. So we're going to spend time unlearning some things. I'm going to teach you how to get control of your mind. You may not think you can control your mind, but you can control your mind, because God says so. Now, whether you want to control it or not, that'll determine whether you will. But you can control your mind. We're going to teach you where your mind is. Now, some of you may think you've lost your mind. I'm not going to help you out to find it. I'm going to teach you where it is. It's not that piece of wet meat between your ears. That's not your mind. That's the organ of your body that your mind uses. But when your body's dead and in that grave and your brain is not ceasing, you will still have a mind. Because your mind is part of your soul. We're going to teach you how to locate where your mind is within how God has made you. And then we're going to teach you some principles of how you can renew your mind. But we're going to begin by just talking about why is this so critical. Well, one reason is I just explained there's so many things out there already. Your mind is being renewed now. 
And if you've been in church for 20 years, then you may have counteracted some of it. But when you realize your mind is being guarded, bombarded every day, every waking moment, and some moments that are not, are not awake, all of them with a goal of renewing your mind to change how you think about many different things. So you have to be intentional about this. You have to be purposeful about this. In the situation you are in right now in your life, I'm not talking about the circumstances. How you're handling those circumstances is a direct result of what you think. Because the Bible says so. As a man thinketh, so is he. So the Bible says a whole lot about the mind. Now, I was saved in the end of the charismatic movement of the 70s and in the 80s. In the charismatic movement, this move of the Spirit of God was emphasized, and there was very little teaching of the Word of God. And so we would go to charismatic prayer meetings where, I mean, the Spirit of God moved, but there were other spirits moving also. Some of you were in those meetings, not with us, but in meetings like that. And I saw some things that were not God. But because there was no teaching, because there was no Word of God of instruction planted, they couldn't tell, they couldn't tell the difference. And then we went through the, the, the next kind of phase or move that God was the, was the Word of God, teaching of the Word of God. And we talked a little bit about that last week. That was the first season of this church. But, but in, in both of those moves, there tends to be this thinking that, that, that uh, education just ruins your life as a Christian. So, we, you know, education is not, it, not helpful. Um, and I, one of our teachers at Raymond used this expression, is we're going to, our signatures verse don't put it up yet, is Romans felt to uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this man, Dr. Stewart, he, he said, uh, charismatics read that word to be transformed by the removing of the mind. And so almost like we were, the attitude was that, you know, that, that if you're really spirit-led and you're spirit-filled, you don't think. But God gave us the brain, and, and many of them ended up in a mess because they threw their brains out, but there wasn't one. And they just, they used the spirit as an excuse to now to do whatever they want, and people still do that. So may I better not get off on this too much, but it's amazing how many, I, I, I have never yet, I don't think, that anyone leave this church because it was offended. They came and told me, Pastor, I'm leaving the church because I'm offended. It's always God's telling you to go. God's gotten blamed for so many things. God, God just be honest. God's, God's, telling, God's telling you to go, no, I'm uncomfortable about something, so I go somewhere where I can feel comfortable. Because you see, if you're just comfortable, oh, I'm getting off my target. You're just comfortable, you're never going to grow. I thought there was a dawn, I think, Friday night. Don put herself in a position at the concert that was out of her comfort zone. Because she understands, because she's a mature woman of God, you grow by not by doing things God's telling you to do that are not comfortable. Because if you only do what's comfortable, you're going to be where you are now. Except you'll be worse, because you'll be more comfortable where you are. The Bible never tells you to be comfortable. We're not here to be comfortable. We're not here to be happy. That's a byproduct of giving your life to Christ and serving Him and of being obedient, but it's not a golden life. I'm renewing your mind already. So the Bible says a lot about the mind and what we're going to do with the mind. Proverbs is full of things 
to do about the mind. Jesus told us what to think and what not to think. Paul tells us things to think and not them what to think. I mean, our attitude, Christian's attitude, nobody can tell you what to think. That means God can't tell you either. Because this Bible is full of things to tell you what to think and what not to think. So that's one of the reasons this is so important, is because attitudes about the mind have crept into the church that are not that are not that are not biblical biblical attitudes about the mind. Many Christians struggle because their mind is out of order. God is a God of order. And we're going to learn that God designed an order for you. Spirit, soul, and body, you're made up of three parts. You have a soul. It has a purpose. And your soul is made up of three parts. We're going to learn that. And your mind is just one-third of your soul. But God designed them so that they all work together. And if you'll let them work together the way God designed them, then God's will will be done in your life. God's peace will be in your life. And God's victory will be in your life. And if your life is not going well, if you're struggling, see, the circumstances of your life don't control you. Unless you choose to let them. We blame the circumstances of our life so often for how we feel and what we're going through. The church has become a church of feeling. So much of the Christian songs are songs of feeling. And the Bible doesn't command us to feel anything. It tells us to think certain things and it tells us to do certain things. Feelings are given to us by God, and we'll learn that. But if you just govern your life by how you feel, you're literally putting yourself in Satan's hands to control you. Because he can control how you feel if you don't control how you feel. And we're going to learn that you can absolutely control your feelings. Therefore, you have responsibility for your feelings. And we'll learn that how to do that, and what that is. So many Christians' lives are a mess because their mind is out of order. Their mind is not being used for the purpose for which God gave it to us. It's out of control. Many Christians struggle because their mind's not functioning in its right role, so they become flaky. And we've all known some flaky Christians don't look around it. call them granola Christians, fruits and nuts and whatever else it was. God has given us instructions and we have to learn how to follow them. And the key, the mind, is the key to all of this. But changing our mind only occurs when we do what God's Word says. So let's go, let's go to the principal scripture here. We're going to go to Romans 12 and let's start Romans 11. You should have that back there. We're going to just give the background here. Paul has just finished. Because our key scripture is in Romans 12. But this is, is it, this is going to write this down. This is, this is a revelation you may have never heard anywhere else. You left now. There are 11 chapters that come before chapter 12. Wow. So to just jump into chapter 12 is losing what went up to it. 
So I'm going to give you a quick summary, and this is in my notes, I'm going to give you a quick summary of, and, and I know Pastor Chris did a message on Romans for two weeks, a uh, great message. And we talk a lot about things that are in Romans, but I want to give you some background to what Paul is saying here. Chapters 1 through 11 is all about what God has done for us through his mercy. Chapter 1 tells us that the gospel is the power of God that saves us. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 tell us none of us measure up to what God requires of us. We don't, we don't measure up to God's standards. It means but not measuring up to God's standards on our own means we qualify for God's grace. In order to qualify for God's grace, you've got to discover you can't do it. And many of us are still learning that. Chapter 4 says we're saved only by faith in what God has done through us for Christ, through Christ. Chapter 5 says we stand before God in this grace because we've received Jesus' work by faith. Chapter 6 tells us that because of grace we've been freed from the power of sin, so we can't use grace as an excuse for sin. Chapter 7 and 8 are so powerful together. Because chapter 7 is the story of Paul's effort as a born-again Christian to try to live a holy life on his own. The amazing thing in chapter 7 is the Holy Spirit's never mentioned once. And it ends with this statement, Wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? He says, because the will to do what God wants to do is in me. I want to be oh God. I want to be of a holy life. I want to be, I want to be obedient to God. The willing in me is there. But somehow the ability to do it doesn't seem to be there. The very things I determine I'm not going to do are the very things I end up doing. And the very things I know I don't want to do are the very things I end up doing. I'm going to ask for a raise of hands, but we've all been there. And the answer is in chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is satisfied. So what chapter 7 does is it shows us that we can't do this even as a Christian on our own. Chapter 8 tells us God's given us His Spirit to enable us to do what we can't do on our own. It's all about the mercy of God. Chapter 9 addresses Israel. And chapter 10 addresses God's mercy towards Israel. And he tells us that what God has done is God has, has allowed Israel, has taken Israel's disobedience because they rejected the Messiah. And out of that, he's brought in those of us, most of us, that were not Jews. He's brought us in by his grace to make Israel jealous of what God already promised them because he wants to redeem them also. And chapter 11 ends with these. It is, oh God, Paul. You know, Paul's just not writing in a, in a theological seminary. Paul's pouring the Spirit out of him, and he gets almost overwhelmed here. He says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. And was God doesn't take his gifts back. What he's given to Israel, what he's promised, he's not changed his mind. What he's promised you, he's not changed his mind. Whatever you mess up, he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't pull his gifts back because you messed up. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Keep going. For as many as were disobedient disobedient to God have, have now obtained mercy through their disobedience. So we who were disobedient have obtained God's mercy because Israel rejected Christ. 
Even so, those who have now been disobedient to Jews, that through mercy were shown to you, that they may obtain mercy. So he's saying, his mercy, when they rejected Christ, God used their damage. God used his mercy, he showed us, to make them jealous, to bring them in again. This is an end time purpose. So he's using the mercy he's given to us to show mercy to Israel. Keep going, verse 31. For God has commanded them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Verse 33. Oh, this is Paul. He's just ever, ever get in, in worship sometimes when you almost get overwhelmed. And just begin to take, this is Paul. Oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment and his ways past finding out. Oh, God is so much better, so much more wonderful, so much more merciful. He's looking at all of this and what God is grand scheme here. And he's looking at his mercy and he's just getting so overwhelmed by this. His ways are past finding out. Keep going. For who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who can figure out how he thinks, how wonderful his thoughts are? Oh, who has first given him that he shall be repaid from him? For, 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 for of him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever. And then Paul is just tripping out. And now we go into chapter 12. I beseech ye therefore, brethren. See, this is why I did this. See the word therefore? Whenever you see the word therefore, stop. Because you need to know what it's there for. It's always referring back. So what he's about to say is based on everything he's just said in these first 11 chapters. So I want to, I want to go through this because this is not just some theological statement. This is not just an idea. This is life. This is eternal life. He's giving us an insight for those first 11 chapters about what God is like. And Paul experienced that mercy. He never forgot it. Paul knew where he had come from. Because when he was saved on that road to Damascus, he was on his way to arrest Christ's church. Bring them to Jerusalem to be executed, be persecuted. He had blood on his hands. He stood there holding the coats of those that stoned Stephen. And yet, God found him on that road. Christ found him. Turned his life around and upside down and changed the course of his life and the church as a result. Paul was intimately aware and never forgot the mercy that he lived in every day. And we do that all the time. So Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. This is who God is. This is what God has done for you. And now he's going to appeal to us in, as a response to this mercy that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now as God's given everything for you, can you give your body for him? A living sacrifice, that means daily holy and acceptable to God. I'm not going to take time to go through what this can be, which is just a reasonable service that your body he's talking about here. And here's our signature verse, chapter verse 2. And do not be conformed 
to this world. This is still something he's besieging us because of the mercy that God has had for you. I beseech you, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. We're going to begin to break that down. He starts off by telling us something not to do. And this is something you and I are dealing with every day, almost every moment of every day. Do not be conformed to this world. This world refers to the world's system. It's a Greek word that refers not so much to the physical part, but it refers to the, 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 the thought processes, the culture, the values which have a spirit behind them. The God of this earth, everything you see, the evil that you see in this world today is being unleashed. The, 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 the things that are being taught in public schools to our young children being encouraged to question things about themselves that God never intended them to question. What is my real gender? And I get to decide that for myself. But God created me and he didn't decide that. And many other things. It's the world's system, the world's values, the world's way of thinking about everything. Do not be conformed to it. Now, here's where just not reading the Bible is enough. You've got to take words and dig into them. And you don't have to be a Greek scholar to do it. There's so many resources out there. The word conformed is a Greek word. It's in my notes. It's suchimatizo. And this word means, this is so important to understand this distinction we're talking about this morning. This word means to be pressured from the outside. You know how, you may not know, the way they mint coins. I've never seen it, but I'm told this. Because they take whatever the metal is. I don't know what they really use anymore. And then there's, there's, a, there's an image that they want to have on it. Whether it's, whether it's, you know, Lincoln's profile or face or a penny, and then on the back they want whatever else that goes there. So the way they get that there is they cast a mold. And the mold is the negative image of that. Everybody following me? All right. And then they take that, that um, coin, that uh, plain metal, and then under great pressure, listen carefully, under great pressure, they push that mold down to imprint and change what the surface of that metal looks like to conform it to the image that that mold is. So there's an image that the one that's casting it has intended it to look like. And then the mold is formed so that under the pressure from the outside, it takes that pure, simple surface and redesigns it to look on the outside what that mold looks like. 
that's what that word means. So to understand this, every waking moment of your day, as you're out there in that room, maybe anywhere now, because the thoughts run around in our own mind, there is a concerted, intentional, spiritually designed pressure that this world is putting on you to make you look on the outside the way the world looks. Now, when that metal is put in that mold, in that press or whatever it is, the outside, because the outside is all you see. So before they put that piece of metal that's going to be a coin in that press, it looks just like a plain piece of metal. But when this pressure and mold have come down on it, now it looks on the outside the way that pastor wanted it to look. And I suggest to you that this world system, our entertainment system, music, video, internet, everything that comes out of this world, Satan has stolen something that God created for his own purposes and is using it to create a mold so that he can take you and me once we're born again, and he doesn't care what's on the inside as long as you look on the outside like the rest of the world. You getting this? That's what that word means, and that's what Paul tells us by the mercies of God. Because of what he's done for you, and because of what he's put in you, because of what he wants to be able to do, don't let this happen to you. And you have to be intentional about it. Because it's out there, that pressure's out there every moment. If you're not aware of what's happening to you, do not be conformed to this world. So, the distinction here is the transforming is changing what you look like on the outside. That means, and how do I know what you're like? By how you talk, by the demeanor on your face, and by your deeds and actions. I don't know what's going on the inside of you, but I can but I but I can tell something about it by how you talk, how your demeanor is. Oh, still outside is all anybody can see. But be transformed. The word transformed is a very different word. It's the Greek word metamorphomai. And it's passive, which means it's done to you. It's a word that you often, if you read commentaries, they'll talk about it's like the butterfly and the, and the, 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 um, the butterfly and this one that sometimes it's a symbol of the born again because it starts out as a caterpillar that goes into this cocoon, leaves a cocoon, and when the time is right, the, the, the caterpillar comes out, spreads its wings, and it's this beautiful butterfly. The word is deeper than that. This word transformed literally means to take what's really on the inside and bring it so it shows up on the outside. It's the same word that's used 
when the Gospels talk about Jesus, when he took Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain, he said, you stay here, and he went off, and Moses and Elijah appeared, and it said his body was transfigured. It's the same word. And his glory shone out of him. Who he really was on the inside, for those few moments, showed up on the outside. And he looked like he was the he looked like he was brighter than the noonday sun. So what this word means is to take what God's put on the inside of you and have it begin to show up on the outside. Something is showing on the outside of you. Again, by outside it means what people can see in your life, what they can know about your life. It isn't just physically what they see, it's your attitude. Your attitude that they pick up. So both of these refer to changing what you look like on the outside. Conformed is a pressure coming from the outside. It doesn't care what you really like, because as long as you don't look like who you really are, and don't act like who you really are, and don't talk like who you really are. See, Satan did everything he could to keep you from being born again. Shows how powerful he is, doesn't it? He did everything he could to stop you from being born again, and here you are. Most of you, I'm sure. He can stop that. So the only thing he can do next is stop what God's done in you from affecting anybody else. So the way he does that is to keep you from understanding, first of all, who you really are on the inside. Who's living in you. And if he can't do that, then he keeps so much pressure on you from the outside so that you give up and you just give up reading the Bible. You just give up those things because life's too overwhelming. This is like Jesus said, take no thought, take no what? Thought. suggest to you there's far more at stake in what choice you make than just the happiness of your life. We need to wake up to the times we're in. This is why we began this year talking about priorities. My goodness, as I read my Bible, I see things unfolding. And I've told you before, I'm not a prophetic teacher in the sense that I understand Bible prophecy. But Jesus said, you just... <laughs> The sun, if you can tell that the sun's out today by looking outside, then you've got enough sense to know something's going on. Russia's stirring, moving south, conquering, trying to conquer other nations. Because it says that Russia's going to take other nations with them and will eventually come against Israel. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes. Evil, and then we don't have them going on over there. We've got somebody in North Korea, while we're distracted with that, testing ICBM intercontinental ballistic missiles. And then there's China. There's all these factors going on. It can be, and this is why we talked so recently as a Christian. You want to renew your mind. What does God say? Does God say, Oh my goodness, it's all over with. What are we going to do? You better order food. Gather as much gasoline as you can. Be careful where you store. 
I told you I'm just gonna let go this morning, so we're just Anybody remember Y2K? Y2K. The younger people. That was year 2000. But some computer geniuses discovered that computers were not designed to flip over to a new millennium. So the computers, which we're now totally dependent on, were going to revert to some other time, and you couldn't get your money out of your bank, and commerce was going to stop. And we gathered in here because we do obviously every New Year's morning, New Year's uh, Eve, and, and the reports started coming in because New Year's Day earlier didn't come to end in Australia. It didn't come to the end in, in other parts of the world. That was how many? 22 years ago. And I knew people in this church then, not now, that were filling their basement and filling their garages with can supplies. Well, they've used them. And I kept saying, do you think you're going to be able to connect enough guns, enough cans, and if this world falls apart, you're going to, how long are you going to get to eat for? And you're not going to share any of it? But that's thinking like the world. So this message is even more critical now than when I first put this together. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. How? By prayer, prayer is vital. By reading your Bible, absolutely. But that's not what Paul says here. We need to be prayer, because prayer involves your contact with God. Prayer is where the power of God is released in these situations and in your life. We need to read our Bible, because how else can you renew your mind if you ever read, aren't reading your Bible? But that's not enough. We're not transformed by those things this way, but it's by renewing your mind. And if God says we're to renew our mind, that means we can renew our mind, which means we must get control of it. We're going to learn how to get control of your mind. Look, there's more to this verse that you may prove something. That you may prove something, the good and acceptable and the perfect, the perfect will of God. There's a verse in Ephesians, I think it's chapter 2. I have it in my notes somewhere. Which is God is going is displaying through your life, through what he's doing in your life, God is displaying to the principalities and powers in the next generation. God's using you and me to prove something. So I think of it like a courtroom. In a courtroom, you have the judge. You have two sides, usually there's the plaintiff and the defendant in a civil case. And they're proving what the facts are to the jury. Because the jury's going to hear the testimony of the plaintiff's witnesses, and the jury's going to hear the testimony of the defendant's witnesses, and then the jury's going to decide what the truth is. So somewhere up there, there are angelic forces that God is trying wants to prove something to them. He wants to prove something to the generation that's out there today. He wants to prove something to the lost generation, our younger people, our younger generations. If you look at it, how can they even have a chance of making it with how inundated they are 
And their basic foundation of right and wrong is not based on the Bible because they don't even believe the Bible. And we have, I taught several years ago in this postmodernism out there, which is a philosophy of today. It's not new, it's just the philosophy of today, it's what it's called today. And it basically teaches nowadays that there is no such thing as truth. Truth is whatever you think is true for you, and truth is whatever I think is true for me. Until they calculate your paycheck. And Jeff, you're your employer. What if you decide this week, 40 hours times whatever the rate is, I don't like that, I don't think that's what's true. I'm going to pick something else out. Your postmodern employees are going to get upset because somehow when it comes down to reality, there's only one truth. But this is the thinking that's been ingrained in our generations. And it permeates our society today. So I look out there and I see all these things. It's overwhelming. What chance do they have? Well, God hasn't given up. But he needs his church to not be sucked in and be conformed to the way the world reacts to situations. Oh my gosh, we're going to fall apart. Gas prices have gone up to $5. We just came back from California. They were already there. And they're surviving out there. This is why we do a series at the beginning of the year. God is your source. You better start renewing your mind to God is your source. Not President Biden, not Trump. God is your source. The Republicans are not your source. The Democrats are not your source. The Independents are not your source. CNN's not your source. I don't want to shake you, but Fox News is not your source. They're all trying to conform you. And there are even many people out there on Christian TV that are thinking the same way. The world thinks just because it says Christian doesn't mean it's teaching God's word. This is why you need to be under a pastor. And that just doesn't just be me. Well, I got all over the place this morning, but that's what I said I would do. There's so much at stake. So we need to do a little self-examination this week. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do that. We begin to ask Him to show us in what ways we may be conformed to this world already. Because you are, to some degree. We all are, to some degree. And understand it's through pressure. I quoted Jesus a few minutes ago when Jesus said, Take no thought for tomorrow. It's in a section of Scripture in Matthew, in chapter 6, where He's talking about He's talking about your priorities. He said, he said, you cannot serve God and mammon and in the world system. Mammon actually isn't just riches. Mammon refers to a spirit that's based on money. That your survival is based on the money you make. Okay, I can't get into this. There's a Babylonian system of fine money, and there's the heavenly system, and they work just the opposite. And the world system is the battle you get what you earn. So if you need more, you've got to go work harder and work more. And God says work. But he's using your job as a means to, to, to provide for your needs. But he is your source. 
and this world system tries to tell you the government your source, your boss is your source, the president your source, whatever somebody else can give you is your source, what you're entitled to is your source, and that's your God. And so we allow the pressure because of the pressures of our need, but my family needs this. I've got to have a job. I've got to, I've got to. No, you have to put God first. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So the, the need, and, and right now, with, with inflation, the pressure's getting greater on us. But understand what's really going on, what's at stake. Satan wants to use this pressure to make you look on the outside, talk, think, and act just like the world acts, and yet, and yet God himself is living inside of you. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So next week, what we're going to begin to look at is what God has done inside of you. How does God see you? Because the devil's telling you who you really are. When we sang the song to the I am a child of God. If you just sing that for the rest of this week, look in the mirror. I am a child of God. Just to sing that to yourself. Well, that's renewing your mind. Say, so I know I'm a child of God. Do you really? To the point that it's changed you. Because if you're dealing with fear, the reality that you're his child hasn't really sunk in yet. Because if you're his child, he's responsible for taking care of you. So we're going to trust Holy Spirit. We're just trusting him now. To take in this week, this now, between this teaching and the next. To help us to recognize the ways in which we're conforming to the world, the ways we've not realized and allowed this pressure of the world to make us think like the world, talk like the world, and act like the world, so that we can recognize how desperately and importantly we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm